0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast at the Cowboy Church of Ellis County. I might get tired. You know, when you get old and you have to start wearing glasses and everything else, you just have to be prepared. How are y'all this morning? I'll say that again. How are y'all this morning? Okay. Making sure I'm not the only one awake here. Let's go to the Lord and word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we just want to just come to you, Lord, and just thank you for who you are. Your faithfulness. Your faithfulness in providing for us what we need before we ever even need it. Lord, your faithfulness whenever we fall and whenever we f- fail. Lord, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we ask that you'd be with us in this service. Lord, I ask that you would speak directly through me this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd just open the ears and the hearts of everyone here. Lord God, whether this is the first time they've ever heard your word or not, or maybe this is the thousandth time, Lord, I pray that you'd speak directly to each one of us in one way or another. Lord, we love you. And we praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So in praying through this this message, I I was talking to myself, which I do. It's when you answer yourself that makes you crazy, I think, but you can talk to yourself. And so I I prayed through this, and I I was thinking about uh, vacation because I I need one. And so I I was thinking... (laughs) I said that out loud, see? Probably should have said that to myself, and so I was I was thinking, you know, man, vacations are awesome. You know, the the thing is, is you you get you get an opportunity to get away from from your everyday life. You get to go somewhere else. You get to absolutely do things that that you would not normally ever do, and it, and it's a huge blessing to be able to take a vacation and go on vacation. And then I got to thinking about, you know, God has provided my family and I with with some really good vacations, and and so. I want to talk to you a little bit about one of the vacations that, that we went on, okay? So, so we don't get to go a whole lot of different places, but one of the places that we really like to go to is Florida, because you can get to Florida, and we, and we don't stay where everybody else stays. We stay way off, way off the beaten path. I'm not going to tell you where it's at, because then you'll get on there and you'll find it. And so we try to, we try to go to Florida, and, and, and it, it takes, I don't know, about 14 hours to get there, And so just like everybody else, at least I would hope, you you have a preparation. And so I've got six kids. I'm going to tell you about a vacation that we, we took with all six of our kids, okay? Luckily, we have an expedition, but, you know, with that expedition and you put six kids in it, along with two adults, that's eight people. Where do you put all the luggage? Well, you got to buy either one of them stupid luggage things that sticks off the back of your car, or you strap it all to the top of the car, or you strap one of the kids to the top of the car. I mean, however you want to do it to get there. But you, you've got to be prepared. And when you've got six kids, and four of them are girls, and they're teenagers, and then you've got two little ones, you got a car not only full of kids, you got a car full of hormones and, and everything going on. And, and so it's actually a quite interesting trip that you're preparing for. So, so we were smart, we went down to Walmart, we got a couple of them little DVD players, and put them on the back of the deal, that way they can watch movies and stuff. And so to begin our trip, this is my car. I get in and we're in the driver's seat and, and before we ever even start, we always say a prayer. We pray that we would be safe on the road, that we would we would be kind and that we would do the things that God would want us to do, and that He would give just put a hedge of protection on us driving. And so we do that. And so we all get in the car and and we we get on 35 and and, and I'm driving down the road, and we're about 20 minutes into the trip. And what do you think happens? Y'all done this. 20 minutes into the trip, and you got one of them that says, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. And and your immediate response is, I just look at my wife and she says, You're gonna have to hold it. And so then we're we're driving down the road another five or six minutes down the road. Then it gets louder. I really gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go, I gotta go. So then you whip off the road, you go to the gas station, they use the bathroom, they jump back in the car, you get back on the road again. And you're driving down the road about 15, 20 minutes later. What happens? No, then we're not stopping because you had the opportunity. Now you're going to be holding it for a couple hours. So now we're driving down the road. We get on the road, and, and you've got one that's already mad at you because they got to go, and you didn't let them. And so now you're driving down the road, and, and then what, you're driving, and everybody says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry, Right? You look down, it's like four o'clock. Really? You're getting hungry. Dinner's not till six. Come on now. And so then everybody, for some reason, is always starving to death. (laughs) Starving to death. They're not going to make it. And so then we start saying, okay, well, where are we going to eat? Don't ever ask that. Six people in the car that are all kids and two adults? No way, it ain't happening. Nobody's going to agree. So we had this thing, we all vote. There's six people, really? You tie everywhere you go. And so we finally, we, we agree on Wendy's, and so, so we pull into Wendy's. And, and we, we get, go through the drive-thru because we've already stopped twice for the bathroom. We go through the drive-thru. Everybody gets their food, and, and, and you just try to calm everything down, okay? And then, and then you, you have another prayer. You talk to God. Everything is good until they start eating. What happens? Somebody said it. Somebody's got kids. They open the sauce... And now it's all over somebody else's blanket or somebody else's pillow, right? And then a fight ensues, and I'm driving. What do you think happens when the fight ensues? Then the drink falls, right? Because that's always got to happen. And and so then we got to pull over on the side of the road and clean up all the mess that, that we had that we should, you know, just stayed at the restaurant and ate. So we eat. And we keep on driving down the road, and then the fight starts about the movie that they're trying to watch. Nobody wants to watch this movie, right? And then one of them gets to watch their movie, and so guess what they do? They rub it in everybody else's face. We get to watch my movie, and then another fight ensues. And then five minutes later, what do we got to do? I go back to the bathroom. and then from the driver's seat, you hear the guy go, oh my God, stop it! Quiet game for the rest of the trip. Anybody talks, I'm putting you out on the side of the road. Road trips are awesome, aren't they? (laughs) Have any of you had a road trip like that? God provided us with the opportunity to go on vacation and be able to spend time with one another in another place, away from everything. God provided us the transportation to get there, the way to get there, the ability to get there. And the only thing that we could do on the trip was fight and argue and bicker and complain and, and we, we quit thinking about the good thing that we had that's coming. The only thing that we were thinking about was what we were doing right then. And, and as I sat back and I was thinking about that road trip, and, and I was thinking about the plain, simple fact that this is my family. I love these people. Poor Moses. Amen? Amen? poor Moses I want us to go over to the book of numbers the book of numbers We're going to begin at, at chapter 20 but but just to give you a, a just a, a story before you you got to understand that that Moses is, has has been been ordained by God to bring Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And and these, these people have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of what God has done to remove them from slavery. And He has promised them a land all of their own. No more slavery, a land all of their own. And, and, and their focus completely changed on, on the trip. Numbers chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought... Okay, hang on just a second. Let's do that again. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They blamed Moses and they said, If we had just died in the Lord's presence with our brothers... Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us to this terrible place? This land has no grains, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Do you hear it? God has given them the promised land, and and now they're on the journey to that promised land, and what are they thinking about? Man, it was so much better back there in slavery. We had all this wonderful stuff. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. And so here God says to Moses and Aaron, I will provide for my people again. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and speak to that rock, and that rock will provide all the water that the community needs for all their needs. And so Moses did what he was told. He took the staff from the place where it kept, where it was kept before the Lord. And then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather around the rock. Uh-oh. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Is that what God told Moses to do? What was wrong with Moses? Moses. What was wrong with Moses? Oh my gosh, he'd been driving that car. And they'd done, they done war on him so much, he lost his temper. He was done with it. He, Must we bring water out of this rock, you bunch of whiny babies? Are you kidding me? We're going to the promised land. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. You will not lead them into the land that I am giving. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there He demonstrated His holiness among them. And as I read through that right there, it it brought about just a sense of conviction of all the things that I had done on the road trip and all the things that my family had done on the road trip, and all the things that most the Israelites had done on the road trip. They, they all lost sight of God. They lost sight of the, the, the thing that God was providing for them, and, and they focused only on those things that, that they were concerned about, self. And, and then whenever they, their, their own selfish needs weren't met, they began complaining and arguing and bickering and fighting. All those things that our flesh wants us to do, right? Because we want what we want. And if it's not comfortable for us, then it, we're, it's not going to be comfortable for anybody. And then, and then whenever those things happen, we, we become angry. And in our anger, we sin. We lash out. If you've ever yelled at everybody in the car and told everybody to be quiet, does that make it for a happy, hunky trip the rest of the 12 hours? No. It's usually miserable. And and you can just imagine as as Moses went on this trip, which is where I want to to start today, is, 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 is about God providing for us. We've, we've been going through a study. I don't know if your connect groups are doing it, but our connect group is doing the study of, of uh, God providing. And I think that this is probably one of the most significant uh, stories that we, could, that we could read. And so I, I do want to go over to Numbers, chapter 21. But before I do so, I want you to see a, a, a pattern here Everybody became, became angry and frustrated. I sinned and I, and I reaped what I sowed for the rest of the trip. Moses became angry and frustrated. He sinned. He doesn't even get to go in the pro, promised land now. Moving over to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. In your study, God provides it begins at 4, but I want to kick back to verse 1. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching on the road through Athram. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them as prisoners. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and they placed and, and the place has been called Hormah ever since. So I want you to see that, that they went to God, they asked God for, for provision, they were attacked, they went back in and destroyed the whole, the whole people, and so God provided for them, right? God just provided for them a, a great victory and all their people back. Verse 4, Then the people of Israel, Israel set out from Mount Hor taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Have we heard any of that before? Again, we're on the journey. God just provided for them again. God provided for them water. God just provided for them again in defeating the Canaanites. And now we're back to the same old, oh, woe is me. Oh, poor me. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. And so Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake could, lead, could look at the bronze snake and be healed. And so I want you to see all of this. So the, the people have now sinned. Remember, Moses, Moses sinned out of anger, and, and he reaped what he, what he deserved. And, and now you've got God providing again, and now the people are sinning out of their behavior, and God says, okay, well, here you go. Here's you some snakes reaping what they've sowed. Again, they've sinned. They reap what they sow. Now, whenever they started reaping what they sowed, then they started what? Oh, my God, I'm sorry. I don't like this. This is not good stuff. God, please forgive me. Let's, let's, make, this, let's make this right. And so what happens then? Okay, y'all can answer me. God provided again. He provided what? He provided a sacrifice that only if they looked at it, they would be healed. What about our own lives? You see in the pattern here? God, God provides. We, we, we go out and do what we want in sin. Then, then we start reaping what we sow from that sin. We don't like it. Then we go back to God and we ask for Him to provide again. And, it, and it's just a continued, continued thing. And, and my question was, is, man, why don't these people get it? As I'm sitting there reading the Bible, why don't these people get it? And then God says to me, Why don't you? Why don't you? Sure, we can talk about all that that list of sins that we all know and 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 are even listed out in the Bible and and we take it upon ourselves and we we say, Well, I'm not gonna do that, you know. I am not gonna do that. And and we take it in ourselves and and we start walking and we start controlling our own destiny and and we know what sin is and, and we're gonna stay away from it and, and we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do to to get to heaven and, and we're gonna do it all on our own. And and then you and then you read this this verse out of First Corinthians thirteen. And I'm going to read this to you because I like the NIV version better. God says that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then He says that we love your, people, love your neighbor as yourself. And then He defines love for us. He says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And God says that we're called to love everybody that way. And then I sit back and I think, well, you know, I haven't murdered anybody, and, and, you know, that's good. But the plain and simple fact is, is God has convicted me with the word love. And I stand up here before you and and confess the sins that I have because I wasn't patient with my kids. I wasn't kind with my kids. My kids were not helping me out any. They were boastful. They were envyful. They They didn't listen to one another. They had evil thoughts, evil plots, evil plans. Anger was all there. Perseverance was hard. All of those things, and and it it made me recognize and realize again that even in my walk with God, sin is still there. And there's nothing I can do about it in my flesh. I want you guys to turn with me over to the book of John. The book of John chapter 3. beginning at verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you were born again... You cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back to his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, You're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you, have no, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and what we have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. You know, God provides every single one of us an answer to that very thing that we always try to solve ourselves. You see, God, God knew that our flesh would not allow us to stop sinning. God knew that the only way that our sins would be able to even be removed is if He gave us a sacrifice to save us. We we we've been reaping what we sow and, and we, we own that sin like it's like it's a badge that we're supposed to, to have and carry. But but what God says is no. You know the, the people that, that were in the desert, they could have just chosen to die, right? You know, the snake bit you. I don't have to look at that snake. I don't have to look at that snake to live. Well, you got that same choice. You got the same choice. God says, this is all your sins laid out before you. This is what you're going to reap. All these things that are going on in the world, all these hardships, all these trials, all this stuff, no longer eternal life. But if you want to be forgiven of all of that, the only thing that you have to do is accept my son who's going to die on a cross. And we sit back and we we look at the the Israelites and we say, Man, what is wrong with those people? And and God sends back and looks at us and says, Man, what is wrong with you people? Paul even says it this way over in Romans chapter seven. He says, that, So the trouble is not with the law, for it's a spiritual, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for what I want to do is what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I am, what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I know that it's wrong. I agree the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in my life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person that I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? How many of you have ever been in that situation? You know what's right. You know what's good. You know what you ought to be doing. You know where you ought to be going. You know the things that that, that you should be doing and you do the exact opposite of those things. And then you think that you're going to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you're going to walk even even faster and even straighter and you're going to do it yourself and you're going to accomplish it. And what does Paul say? Paul says, no, you end up in the same boat that you are. Then he finishes off with verse 25. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my flesh, I am a slave to sin. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for His sacrifice. We don't have to live our lives with God providing for us eternal life and, 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 not, and not looking at that as the place where we want to be. We need to be living our life here as if we are living it for eternity. We don't need to get caught up in all the trials and all the troubles and all the situations that we're going through and live life in a miserable uh, a place because we are consistently concentrating on those things that we can't accomplish being good anyway. We have to focus on on what God did for us. We have to focus on the fact that Jesus was a sacrifice that God provided for all of us to have eternal life. And if our focus stays on Him, then we won't get lost on the road there. We're called to endure. The only way the cycle of sin is broken is done by Jesus. You can't do it. Let me explain something to you. If you could do it, honestly... Think about it. If you could do it, why would God send His Son to die on a cross? If you could physically get yourself into heaven, why would He send His Son to die on a cross? It's only when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior that our our spiritual life begins. Our spiritual life can take over the worldly life our spiritual life can begin to lead us so that we're no longer concentrating on the things of the world, but we're concentrating on those things of God. John 3.18, beginning there, it says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for the fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. What are we called to do as brothers and sisters? We're called to hold each other accountable. If you don't get anything out of this entire message, then I think you'd probably be asking the same thing that we asked Moses and all these people. What's wrong with you people? Why don't you get it? My prayer is is that God has spoken to everybody today just as He speaks to me in, in conviction. We all fall short. Every single one of us. We all fall short. We are all sinners. Every single one of us deserves the, the, the punishment of those sins. We deserve to reap what we sowed. But what God says is we don't have to. That He provided a sacrifice for us. And that whenever we we ask for God to come into our life, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit begins a a, a new birth, a new way of life. And then we begin to allow our spirit to lead us versus our flesh leading us. Now, Now, is that going to make us perfect and infallible? Absolutely not. You're still going to fall short. Again, Jesus wouldn't have had to die if you could have done it. But I promise you that whenever you start to step out, your spirit will give you a check and convict you right there. This is not where you're supposed to be going. This is not the direction that I want you to be on. And your focus is on the world and not where I'm leading you. The best way to to explain this is is that we are called to persevere in this world so that we can concentrate on eternity. This world is short. Eternity is forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning again, Lord. Lord, I thank you for just continuing to provide for your people. Lord, as a father myself, just, just the frustration that happens whenever, whenever our kids do things and step out of, of, of where we want them to be and, and what's best for them. Lord God, I know that you feel those same things magnified. But Lord, I thank you. We thank you for giving us that perfect sacrifice. Lord God, I pray that everyone here knows that they are not called to be perfect. They are called to be forgiven. I pray that each one of us would own our relationship with Christ. And Lord God, that we would live according to Your light. And Lord God, never forget what You've done for us on a cross. Lord, we love you today and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. For this sermon and many more, check out our website at www.cowboyfaith.org.